0: You are listening to episode six of The STEM Space. I'm so excited to be sharing with you today some of the highlights from our virtual professional development conferences for teachers that we attended this summer. You're going to want to take notes on this one because we have a ton of resources for you to check out. Let's get started. Welcome to The STEM Space, hosted by Vivify co-founders, Claire and Natasha two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing
1: our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. So this has been a wild summer, right? (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) With everything going on, having to move to distance learning. And usually in the summer is when we do all of our conferences. That's right. This has been a very different summer and actually spring. We were approached back in October to do this virtual conference. This was all before the pandemic. And what was your initial reaction when they said, hey, let's do a STEM conference, but virtual?
0: Yeah. So that was Carrie Tracy and she's from Feel Good Teaching she kind of reached out to us. We have a group of like-minded STEM educators that we collaborate with on STEMactivitiesforkids.com. And she was just like, we have, I have this idea. We've done something kind of like it before. I don't remember what the group was she's done it with. And she said, you you know, it just gives teachers another opportunity to get professional development if they can't travel. We thought, well, it's like, that sounds like a fun idea. I don't know about being on like the internet and like doing this virtual thing. That sounds kind of crazy. So I was a little intimidated at first. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I think most of us were like, wait, we have to record ourselves and be on camera. Both you and I have experience presenting in person. You know, we've talked about this uh, SEEK conference, the NASA Space Exploration Educators Conference, and there's others that we've done always in person though. And the experience is going somewhere, traveling, meeting these educators and we my reaction was how can you replicate that in a virtual format like i'm just going to be sitting on a zoom session and talking about stem how is that engaging you know stem yeah is where, in
0: yeah i was thinking where's the energy how are you going to have this community involvement like you do at a normal conference so then fast forward to the pandemic hit we had already planned to launch this we had been preparing for months I think we submitted our videos back in like February, maybe it was even January, and then everything went nuts, and we thought, (laughs) well, I mean, it's kind of convenient that we would planned on doing this virtual, so it actually went amazingly well.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. There was a pop-up Facebook group that was part of the conference that all the educators, all 4,000 plus, I think, was the final count that were part of this conference. And we're we talking
0: had- about the virtual STEMCon. So this was Elementary STEM Educators in STEMCon.
1: Yeah, do you remember the dates?
0: End of April.
1: Right, so we had Elementary STEMCon, end of April. Perfect timing, because that's right about when the schools all shut down. Teachers were no longer able to travel to conferences they had planned on. So we had over 4,000 something educators sign up and join us. And it was just amazing. I was not anticipating the energy, the buzz, the community that we were able to form just through the Facebook group, through the sessions, interacting with all the teachers. My big takeaway was I can reach a lot of people in this format before we would meet people one-on-one. So maybe we could reach a hundred people, for example. And I love connecting with people in person. I definitely miss that. But in this format, you could just reach thousands at once. They could watch your video and we could get out content that people you know, hadn't seen in our session before in a very open, accessible way.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was amazing. And we learned so much from even the guest speakers that we had on. So we had our group of STEM educators that we kind of had interacted with before. Some really awesome teachers. We had Brooke Brown and Anita Goodwin and Trina Debery, uh, Dr. Yen Bonderhoven. And then we had some amazing live speakers on our Facebook group that included Andrea Beatty, who is the author of Rosie Revere Engineer and all those books, which are my favorite STEM books. And so we got to hear from her about how she developed those characters and what her vision was and really just made me love those books even more. And then we had Jo Gick from NBC's Making It. And she talked about how she's learned to be resourceful in innovation and how you repurpose items to use them differently than how they were originally intended and how uh, she became a maker and how we can use that to inspire other kids, which was so cool. So what other sessions were there in that conference that you remember?
1: What I really enjoyed was our session was actually the first one the three Mm -hmm. stages of STEM and it was a really great session for educators that are new to STEM and that's what we realized that a lot of the teachers that were in this conference were just trying to figure it out. They had no idea where to get started and we've done a podcast episode on those three stages and this was just a great way to reach a new audience and build up their confidence in STEM that kind of set the stage for a lot of the other conversations um, that we had throughout the conference. What was your session about, Claire?
0: So we had a total of four sessions at Elementary STEM Con. I did two sessions. One of them was on STEM challenges using Spiro Robotics, which Spiro we've talked about is our favorite. And we're gonna have a podcast, this is a sneak peek podcast uh, episode coming up shortly about Spiro and how you can use them in the classroom. And then I also did one on teaching STEM through a storyline which is something that we found as being super successful and engaging for kids is when you have give them missions that they have to complete with STEM challenges that all fits in this overall storyline. So you had another one as well besides the three stages of STEM.
1: Yes, my second session was engaging students with STEM careers. And our listeners probably know we're two aerospace engineers are really passionate about making sure when someone teaches about STEM or engineering design they connect it to a real world event and a STEM career and I got a lot of positive feedback from educators on just some really simple strategies they could use to take those challenges to the next level and connect to a career and I had a lot of fun doing our sessions but I was so excited to learn from all the other presenters you mentioned a few of them and Carrie Tracy, being the main organizer, she actually had a really great session on troubleshooting STEM challenges. That was one of my favorites. I think you also watched that session? Yes, it
0: was amazing. She talked about growth mindset and how you push past failure. She had a list of reasons why kids shut down and how to troubleshoot those. And one of those reasons really resonated with me that I, I seemed kind of obvious, but it i would never thought about it this way before, but she talked about time-based anxiety and one way to deal with that. And that's like when kids, you know, you're saying, okay, you have five minutes to finish and then then it's time to test. And, uh, you know, that countdowns like freak me out. Like I can't even handle a <laughs> microwave because <laughs> it gets stressful. But she said that one way to deal with that is to give kids a heads up the day before on a STEM challenge. Say, Hey, tomorrow we're going to be talking about bridges and we're going to, see how much weight a spaghetti bridge can hold or something like that so that kids can start thinking about it and then not feel all this pressure in the moment and so many other great tips in that line of thought as well which were awesome so then a couple other ones that i really enjoyed from this conference was trina davery she talked about using podcasting in the classroom which i plan on doing this year because of her session she has a school for teachers on how to learn about using podcasts in the classroom that we'll link in the show notes. And then another one that I really liked was Green Screens from Anita Goodwin from Goodwin and she recommends using Do Inc. and then slowly introducing that app to the kids and then using green screens for different projects from science experiments to even a reader's theater where kids can dress up in front of a green screen and have some sort of scene in the background that relates to what they're reading, just to bring in some more engagement.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. I have to say, when we first were invited, like we mentioned back in October, I think everybody had pretty low expectations. You know, let's just try this, see what happens, and it just exceeded our wildest expectations on not only the content, because I think it was a great group of educators, but hearing from the other teachers that were in the conference and their questions and doing the live panels and that interaction that we were worried wasn't gonna be the same in this virtual environment. And from there, we're like, well, let's do this again. (laughs) Exactly. we kept doing more uh, virtual conferences So what did we do next? Then after that, we switched gears from
0: elementary to middle school. And we were asked by Erica from Nitty Gritty Science to do her Champions for Science Middle School conference. In that, we had a session, again, talking about the three stages of STEM because we feel it's so important to get that foundation and kind of help you see scope and sequence out your STEM programming. And we heard from some more great educators. Erica herself had a great session on interactive notebooks. And then there was uh, Getting Nerdy with Mel and Gertie. They have really cool products on paper dissections, so which I think would work really well with virtual learning as well. So you don't, you know, in a science classroom, you're going to miss out on those dissections. And, you know, sometimes it can get really expensive or you may think it's inhumane or whatever the reasons are, but doing it with a paper dissection is really cool. And you can keep those for a long time. So I thought that was pretty neat. Another of my favorite ones, probably my favorite of the whole conference was learning from Miss Mallory Adventures, who I didn't know about until then. And I'm so glad that I was introduced to her in this conference. You should follow her on Instagram because she does some really cool stuff with animals. And she talked about different apps that you can infuse into the classroom to learn more about nature and make it more interactive. Some of her favorites that she recommended, and I'm not going to list all of them because there were so many, but my favorites that she recommended that I've already downloaded on my. and my ipad are meet the insects which obviously introduces you to different insects and then there's loss of night app which connects astronomy to how like light pollution affects how you view the stars and then there's project noah which has a whole bunch of different resources about the environment the merlin bird id app is how you can uh, identify birds that might be around your school And then there was the NASA Visual Explorer, which uses satellite imagery to share space-based research stories. And that can be anything from wildlife restoration, to chimpanzee conservation, to arctic ice bubbles. So it really takes what you're learning, you might be learning in the classroom, and connects them to real-world applications. She also does free presentations to classrooms, so if you're interested in bringing her virtually into your classroom, or maybe if you're already meeting through distance learning and you want to bring her into your Zoom meeting, she would love that. And she does it for free. She just wants to share her love of nature with kids, which is amazing. And then another educator that we had on there was Ty Cook from Cook in the Classroom. And he shared technology tips, which of course is really useful as we go into virtual learning in the fall. He recommends using Screencastify, which Natasha, I know you've used that before. What do you use it
1: for? Yes. And so screencastify was one thing that I learned from him. I've been using it to record uh, for teachers how to use some of the content some of our curriculum to walk them through it and then also for students. We another tool that he recommended was Flipgrid. And this was before we switched to distance learning. He'd already been using these tools in his classroom. And so he gave a lot of good insight on how to use it now that we're we had to rapidly switch to distance learning. So with Screencastify, I could walk the students through how to use those tools because ideally you would be in person in the classroom explaining how to use the Flipgrid, which is this app where they record videos of the assignment. And so instead of writing up a report, they actually record a video of maybe a test of the roller coaster, or whatever that challenge was. So lots of great ideas and he has some, a really fun energy. I loved hearing his ideas.
0: Yes, it was really fun to watch. He also recommended the Merge Cube, which we've talked about before, and how he uses the free printable Merge Cube that you can just print out and make the box so you don't have to go buy one, which is awesome. And then Merge Cube also has a whole bunch of free resources on their website. And then there was a new one that I learned from him that I want to use this year called Deck Toys. We'll drop a link in the show notes and you can create these interactive scavenger hunts that are web-based for your students, which sounds so fun. So you can do like a review of certain topic where kids have to find certain things, but it's all on this website and I think you can build it for free. So definitely going to check that one out. So that was just the first half of the summer. (laughs) And then this week, we have wrapped up
1: another conference. You want to tell us about that one? Yes. So this week was Whole Teacher Eclecticon, and it was a conference for upper elementary teachers. So the past conferences were focused more on STEM and science, but this was meant to be more of all the subjects for all the teachers, from specialists to reading to math and also science. In the same way that we have the whole child, Carrie Tracy, again, the organizer, wanted a conference for the whole teacher. So something that is not only just about the content that teachers are teaching, but also just supportive, creating a supportive environment for teachers and she's definitely pulled it off. It's been a really awesome conference once again, lots of great live panels. Uh, I was listening to the one on distance learning because that's what everybody's trying to figure out right now, there's a lot of it up in the air, teachers are nervous, and I thought it was a really great approach on just some very practical tips on how to do distance learning if we go back in the fall. We, what did we learn from the spring? What are some tools we can use? And there's just a lot going on right now. And I thought this was a really important conference that is putting us in that mindset. What were your takeaways? Yeah, exactly. I think,
0: you know, Dr. Yin was on the distance learning panel and she talked about how we should give students a voice, especially when we're doing the distance learning and it's really important to provide that human aspect. So we talk about building relationships and how can we do that with virtual learning in an online setting? And then Claudio Enriquez recommended using Clever to put all the things in one place to take a lot of stress off of families because you know, there's Flipgrid or Seesaw or Google Classroom, and I'm sure different teachers have different things that they're trying to use, different platforms. So we're trying to figure out a way to alleviate some of that stress of families trying to figure out how to do this, as well as the teacher's. So a lot of great tools there, Seesaw, Flipgrid, some that we've shared before, but this clever one was new. I'm definitely going to check that out as well. And then another one that I listened to, it was one of the sessions was Growth Mindset with Dr. Blake, and it was amazing. He emphasized ways to help students have a growth mindset, but not in a stressful way. He talked about this concept that I had never heard of before, called toxic positivity, which is where people will respond to a student who is shutting down because of failure with this immediate push to reverse their emotions, like "It's okay, failure is good." When they're feeling angry, you know, that's yeah. it would make you feel good if you're like, "Oh, this is so stressful." People are like, "Oh, no, it's totally okay. You should be happy. <laughs> Aren't you so glad that it's failure?" You know, which yeah. makes so much sense. So he talked about instead, we should first acknowledge and validate what the student's going through and help them embrace their emotions and then ask them, what would you do differently next time? And something that he pointed out too was instead of saying, you don't want to say, what could you do better next time? You just say, what would you do differently? So Mm -hmm. it's not reversing where they are, but embracing it moving forward, which I thought was Really excellent.
1: That is, I love that. I might have to take that and use it on my two year old. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah Which good
1: luck amazing. yeah <laughs> but I'd never heard of toxic positivity that is a really interesting idea and something we've talked about in the past on failure and that fits perfectly with this growth mindset exactly
0: so another session I listened to was hands-on science on a budget by Kristen Muse, and she's gave some really great resources including skypeascientist.com I don't know if you've heard of that But we really advocate for bringing STEM professionals into your classroom, even if it's a virtual classroom, right? And so Mm -hmm. this is a great resource because you can just submit some sort of application online at skypeasscientist.com and they will match you with a scientist that is related in whatever the topic is you're teaching. And so a real scientist can come talk to your students. I thought that was really cool. And then there was MOSAMAC for these free animated science mysteries, which sounded really interesting. And then one of my favorites that I've used before is sciencejournalforkids.com. And it's a way that you can connect what you're teaching in science to actual science projects that are happening in the real world. So that's a really great resource as well.
1: So that was a lot that we got out of these conferences. are there a few key takeaways that you plan on implementing in the fall as you start as a STEM teacher? Yeah, I will definitely
0: be implementing these growth mindset strategies, especially what I just mentioned with Dr. Blake. And I've also added more books to my library to use a STEM challenges in STEMCon. Brooke Brown was one of the presenters in that, which we know she is always fabulous, especially with her STEM bins, but she led a session about using books in STEM and she gave a great list of some books that I haven't read before that I added to my list, as well as some ways to connect STEM challenges to those books. So one book that I really enjoy that I have read before and I always read it to my kids is After the Fall. And it's kind of a play on Humpty Dumpty, but has a surprise ending at the end. And it's about pushing past failure. But she connected that with a STEM challenge where she has her kids make paper airplanes, which I thought was really cool. And of course, being an aerospace engineer, I would love to implement as many things that have airplanes as possible. And one resource she shared, which I have not used that I'm going to implement this year, is something called foldandfly.com. And it's where you can create paper airplanes in several different ways so it has different designs that you can do it's a free resource so i'll be checking that out and you can see her resource that goes along with the book after the fall so another thing that i will be doing i talked about growth mindset i've been really dwelling on how to implement more of that in the classroom and that is something that i'm going to be sharing with people in our upcoming elementary stem club
1: So Claire, I'm really excited about this Elementary STEM Club, and I know one part that you're going to be talking about is Growth Mindset, and it's with some other of our favorite STEM educators. So tell people, what is Elementary STEM Club? How can they sign up?
0: Oh my goodness. I am so excited about this. So Elementary STEM Club, this is the first installation of it, so it's called Essentials, and what it is is three full months of support for educators. And August through October, every month, will include a resource video that talks about the theme for that month. It will have live panel discussions with seasoned educators. It will have book chats that support the topic from famous authors, and some of them we've been revealing on Instagram. So make sure you follow us because there's some really big names. I'm so excited. And then as well as bonus freebies and more resources that we'll reveal at a later date but the themes for the STEM essentials in elementary STEM club are team building in August, the engineering design process in September and then failure and growth mindset in October. And that's the one that I will be sharing a video and collecting all of this knowledge that I've received and learned over the years and being able to help teachers implement that in their classrooms. So definitely, you do not want to miss Elementary STEM Club.
1: Who do you recommend
0: this club for? Who is it targeting? It is targeting any elementary educators if you are interested in having STEM. So you do not need to be a STEM specials teacher, but maybe you just want some kind of support to run projects, whether virtually or in the classroom, in your elementary classroom. And who else is involved in Elementary STEM Club? So if you were part of... STEMCon, you will see a lot of familiar names. So we have Carrie Tracy, of course, Meredith Anderson from Mom MomGenere, Brooke Brown, Carol Davis from Teachers Are Terrific, Renee from Science Schoolyard, Trina Debery, Brittany Washburn, and Get Caught Engineering, and a bunch more. So you'll have to stay tuned because we're going to have an amazing time. That's
1: awesome. Well, I think for everybody who enjoyed the Elementary STEM Conference will really enjoy this, So I'm excited to be part of it and listen to all the different topics because those three topics are really kind of the, it's called the essentials, right? It's the essentials that you need to get started wherever you are in your STEM journey. So definitely excited for that. So that was the summer, right? We got a lot done, lots of conferences. We learned a lot. But what if people missed out on those opportunities? Um, how can they be get some of the trainings that we did in those conferences? Well, too late. You really missed out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you
0: missed out on any of those conferences, it's not too late to learn more and get more professional development. We're actually releasing some of our trainings on our website. We just launched new Vivify teacher trainings. And if you would like to do self-paced, we have that option as well as live Zoom trainings. So we would love to help you with professional development if that is something you're still looking for. And of course, we'd love to help you with your STEM education journey, wherever you are. The reason why we do what we do is to help you. So please reach out and we will drop a link to where you can get more information about our teacher trainings in the show notes.
1: And for anybody listening that attended those conferences, we've been excited to connect to this whole new audience of educators and connecting with you on what works in your classroom. We've learned so much this summer. And so we're just hoping to take those best practices and share them back out to support everybody because we don't know what's going to happen in the fall. There's a lot unknown with school openings right now, and we all just need to work together and do the best we can to support each other. That's right. We're better together. Thank you guys. Those of you who we have met in
0: the conferences, we really appreciate your support and look forward to connecting with you in another one. Talk soon.